0: Hey everybody, happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Craig Fawley Show on Deadline Detroit. So glad to have you with me. Hopefully, hopefully you got out of your driveway okay without spilling the way that I did this morning, taking out the garbage on the ice on the driveway. That was fun, and I've noticed one thing. The older I get, the more it hurts. But what are you going to do? Anyway, hopefully you're safe today and all is good. Uh, Last night, State of the Union. We're going to spend a little time talking about that. Now, if you know me, you know how I feel about this president. I'm not a huge fan. That said, it's not important to necessarily know what I think about this all the time. Let's find out how the other side thinks. My guest today will be Nolan Finley, who, of course, is the editorial page editor at the Detroit News and, of course, the host of the morning show on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation. And, of course, he's a little bit more conservative than I am. So we'll find out what he thought of President Trump's job last night. And then I'm going to read some comments that came in from you. I did a live Facebook thread during the speech last night, and a number of you chimed in. It was great to have everybody on board. We'll get some of your thoughts on what the president had to say, and I'll include those a little bit later on in the show. Stick with me. Lots coming up on The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. The Craig Folly Show is made possible in part by Deadline Detroit. One-stop shopping for all your news. Also, home to Deadline Detroit TV, which includes The Zip, a weekly wrap-up of the week's news with some humor, and The Trip, wise relationship advice with hosts Megan Slattery and Tracy Evans. Deadline Detroit, one-stop shopping for all your news. This is the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Happy Wednesday. Glad to have you with us on this rainy and icy day here in Detroit. But, of course, most of us were inside... Last night, watching the State of the Union Address, at least you should have been. Regardless of how you feel about this president, it is important that we pay attention to what they say in the State of the Union Address. In my family, it's been a tradition forever. I can't remember ever missing one. Joining me today to talk a little bit about last night's State of the Union Address, what was accomplished, what wasn't, is my friend Nolan Finley. He is, of course, the editorial page editor at the Detroit News and of course the morning host on 9:10 a.m. Superstation Nolan Super uh, happy to have you with me today thanks for doing it
1: yeah glad to be here about half as many people watch the speech as watch the Super Bowl i guess <laughs> i think it was somewhat under about 48 million 98 million watched the Super Bowl so. in this day and age though <laughs> that's not that's, bad that's not that bad for <laughs> a speech it's actually pretty good <laughs> one that also ran
0: about 90 minutes i mean let's yeah, just let's get long. to the surface stuff right mm-hmm. off the top here before we start digging into some of the nuts and bolts but from a surface surface perspective last night I put on my Facebook page that this is the best speech I'd seen him deliver. Now that doesn't mean a whole lot given that I'm not a fan of his mm-hmm. typical, you know, barn burner speeches that he does when he's out on the campaign trail. Uh but I thought this was for him pretty well delivered speech and it was pretty well received by by a lot of the people that were watching.
1: Oh, I think it definitely was the best speech he's given you compare it it in tone and message to his inaugural address, to his victory address in Cleveland. At the nominating convention uh I think it was uh a good piece of work uh, for donald trump his best his best speech as 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 you said, and I think he beyond that, I think he hit the right tone and the right message. I believe it was what America needed to hear from him in in terms of uh that whole unity message coming off. The government shutdown, that was, uh, you know, we were headed, we are headed, I think, very dangerous place in our political divisions. And I think striking that unity tone as disingenuous as some might find it coming from a guy who has been a divider. I think it was the right message. And, and uh, Americans seemed to respond. I was really surprised at the poll numbers this morning.
0: Let's talk about that unity message. You wrote yeah. your column this morning that, you know, yeah, this is rich coming from this guy who's mm-hmm. basically made his political career on being somebody that is dividing us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that has worked well for him. Now, at the same time, he did talk about some things that both sides should likely agree on, right? An infrastructure plan, reduction of right. prescription drug prices mm-hmm. was something that he brought up. At the same time, there was not a lot of discussion about the actual policy that's going to be needed to make those things happen. There's wide disagreement on what the federal government's role should be when it comes to infrastructure bills in terms Mm -hmm. of the ratio of spending. These are things that are going to take a lot of compromise to work out. Well, right. Congress can do that. Can he separate himself from Congress enough to allow them to actually come up with a plan that he can either support or not support.
1: Well, I think that that has been sort of the way he's operated. Um, And you never get the details in a State of the Union speech or a State of the the State speech. Or if they do,
0: they say it was too boring, too wonky.
1: I mean, that would be six hours long, and it was already long enough. Well, Bill Clinton tried that a couple times. Yeah, I thought it was smart to focus in on the things where they do have common goals. Now, the end goals... Uh, are the same. As you pointed out, getting there is a different matter. But both sides agree on that this nation needs an infrastructure plan. Again, funding and how you get there will be the hard part. But setting that as a goal, setting prescription, lowering prescription drug prices, that's something everybody can raise their hand and say, okay. Uh, Now, you know, there were a number of those those issues, uh, trade, for example. Uh, I think he's closer to Demo- the Democratic base on trade than he is the Republican base on trade. So you're, all, there's the makings there for some victories from some deals. Question becomes: Is it in the best interest now of Democrats to to come to any sort of agreement on these issues? They've been profiting very well from the divide and from the resistance that's worked out well for them? Do they change strategy now and say, we're gonna work with the presidents because there's some things the country, the country needs and some things we can do together? Or are they worried that'll put him in a better place in 2020 than he might otherwise be? And I think that's the key question here.
0: He, he almost, I don't wanna say it was a threat because it wasn't a threat, but he did say, hey, look, we can have peace and legislation or war and investigation. Yeah. And he talked about partisan investigations. Um, well, there's, there, there's, there's no way the Democrats are going to just say, okay, we're not going to use our new power that we have in the House to investigate this this administration. No. They're
1: going to do this. No, but there's... A, was he threatening them? Did you, did you get that it, sort of a
0: sense? Or was it more like, please don't investigate you know, me No, I think there
1: was a self-serving element of that. Of course. Um, and he wanted to bring home the message to people in, in the country, not an entirely illegitimate message, that we could either get some things done or we could spend all our time uh, on these issues threatened investigations that, that every committee in Congress, I mean, you've got five or six committees, want to call in Betsy DeVos. That gets to the point of, I think, vindictiveness, and it, it becomes very counterproductive and ridiculous. I, I think that, uh, you know, there is a point to be made there that what do we want to do? Do we want to get some things done, or are we just simply all slogging away uh, towards 2020? so yeah there was a self-serving element to that and there are some things uh that congress needs to exercise its oversight authority but i think democrats walk a very dangerous uh, path if all they're going to do is try to haul people in and investigate them i think the public will get weary of that sort of stuff in a hurry.
0: Well, did they in the last administration? I mean, think you know the word that always comes to mind is Benghazi. When you yeah. look at how many hearings they held on Benghazi, yeah. and then, of course, the email scandal and how many different things they did going after I, Hillary Clinton, the Democrats, you can see that they might be champing at the bit to sure, actually... of course, but
1: I don't think that stuff worked out all that well
0: for Republicans. No, I don't think it did either. And but so
1: you can either learn for that or you can repeat their mistakes, say, well, we're going to do it too. I don't think it, it worked out well for them. I think the public didn't warm to it. I don't think they'll warm to it this this time. I mean, there's a reason. Seventy-five percent of Americans said they liked that speech last night. And I think it's the message they want to hear that we can work together on some things. And he did, as we said, he did, I did identify some areas where they ought reasonable people ought to be able to come to agreement, particularly on issues, as we said, like trade, where you know, in this new NAFTA agreement, this. U-m- USMC. Yeah. whatever. That agreement gives Labor, and, and which, which is the big sponsor of the Democratic Party, gives Labor much of what they've been asking for in trade agreements. I, I wrote this morning, I mean, it's the first time I've seen the United States try to impose minimum wages on other countries. And that's what this does. This, is, this bill could have been written by big labor. Democrats don't get behind it. You have to wonder what will they support? This is their agenda, their bill.
0: More or less. The interesting thing about it, though, is that some of the biggest concerns I've seen about this bill Mm -hmm. and and whether or not they're going to adopt this new agreement Mm -hmm. uh, is coming from Republicans.
1: As it should. I mean, it's it's, from a conservative perspective, it's not a very good bill, which is why it's hard to understand why Democrats are digging in their heels. And the only reason I can think of is because they don't want to give Trump any sort of victory. Well, if they try to hold that position for two years, I think there's some risk in that. The big
0: issue that was hanging over this speech, obviously, yesterday was was the issue of immigration, mm-hmm. right? And he went out of his way once again to to build up this this threat, and th- there was plenty of fear mongering going on in that speech when it comes to this immigration issue. Mm-hmm. The people have not been swayed on this one in terms of the wall. You look at the numbers of support for an actual physical barrier, Mm -hmm. it's dwindling. He's been making this case for a long time. We shut down the government over this issue. And whether it's a metaphorical wall or a real real wall, we don't know at this point in time because the position keeps shifting. This seems to be one of those things that could be an even bigger quagmire than it's already become. We're hurtling towards another potential shutdown in a few days.
1: Well, I don't think we're going to have a shutdown in a few days. I think the more likely scenario will be if he can't get Democrats to uh, fulfill their promise to negotiate on this uh, and, they, and so far they haven't, uh, he'll declare an emergency and try to find the funds to build it from elsewhere. And it'll go to court and this will be taken out of the political realm into uh, the judicial realm, which probably serves both sides well. But you look again at the polling uh, from the speech last night, that the people responded to that message on border security. I don't think. I think there's a lot of nervousness in this country, even among people say, "Gosh, we don't think a wall will work." About these caravans that are coming. Uh,
0: but how much of that, though? Is I mean, these caravans that are coming. This is not the first time there have been waves of immigrants from other parts of the world, mm-hmm. and every single time there's been a new group from a new part of the world coming to the United States, the associated fear comes along with it it's i mean look well, I, I, I just point people, people to gangs in new york i mean think about that movie it was based on this very notion that immigrants are potentially dangerous well,
1: and yeah there's always been backlash against immigrants but i think the idea of folks just showing up at your border demanding to to be led in does does rub a lot of american voters uh in the wrong way and i think there is concern and i think the way he laid it out last night uh you know, trying to downplay the actual physical barrier uh, was an effective approach. I mean, there well, is... A a well, a...
0: is that a way for him to, quote-unquote, get funding that he wants for border security without and calling it a, quote-unquote,
1: wall? Yeah, I think there's going to be, I think there are probably places, and I don't know this, I'm not an ex- expert on border security, but I, I think, you know, we've built walls on the border. I think there are probably places where balls are effective. And there are other places where something else is more effective. I mean, we have walls, so the idea of adding to the wall structure is not—I don't find it all that um, extraordinary or offensive. I think there's a deal to be had here uh, that would that would give both sides a victory and would give the American people a victory if they could trade uh, border funding and allowing to use some of it for barriers where it's deemed appropriate in exchange for opening a wider door to immigration, getting resolved the DACA situation. That's, that's, that's a bargain for Democrats. Five billion dollars, that's a bargain for Democrats and for the country because these are issues that need to be resolved. Uh, we're going to need to have a, a more vigorous immigration system as our economy grows, and we're not going to get that. In this current environment,
0: well, the current environment is one it seems to me in which everybody is starved for victory at this point in time. Well, they course. have to be seen as as winning on this That's issue. That's why we
1: had a six week shutdown when we or five week when we should have had a compromise. Yeah, agreed. And and the problem though,
0: is that this president can't see past just that initial campaign promise. Look, if you do something mm-hmm. to fix the immigration system, you have a, a clear. Uh, asylum course, you have a way for the sure. DACA kids to be taken care of, and you figure out a way to increase the inspections of trucks coming in at the border crossings. There's a lot of things you can do. Uh,
1: that would, and you could I say, I don't think you can lay it simply on on Donald Trump. When you had Nancy Pelosi starting the negotiations by saying, "We're not going to give you a dollar for the wall," well, basically, you say, "There's no there's no room to talk here." Uh, I think during the course of that, you saw Donald Trump throw out. Uh, what he thought would be the makings of of negotiations when he said, you know, we'll give you some temporary relief on DACA. I don't see, you know, I thought that could have very easily become permanent relief if people would have bargained in good faith. But it became more about who was gonna win the standoff. And that's never an effective place to find compromise. And so, you know, I think now that they've had a cooling off period, if they went back and each side laid down what are your essential ingredients to a comprehensive immigration bill, we might get one uh, because we need an immigration reform in this country. We need more immigrants coming in to fill positions that we can't fill.
0: doesn't that debate only happen, though, when we start actually dealing in facts about what's happening at the border as opposed to hyperbole and fear? Uh, You know, I think so much of this debate... So much of this debate has been around this notion that you know these bad people are coming across the border it's to kill you. I mean,
1: it's not it, necessarily just that, Craig. It's, I, yeah, it's, but it, it, it's it, not—it's not at all. That's what that. he leads
0: with every it's, time. It's not just that. That's MS. Thirteen's coming to take your babies. I mean,
1: we have had some MS. Thirteen people come, but the idea that you're going to allow um, what is it now six, seven hundred thousand people to enter the country unchecked, illegal every year—that's not a healthy situation, and that's something we should be concerned with. We don't know who, but calling who's it a crisis, among those people. Calling well, it a
0: crisis when the numbers are actually lower than they've been in decades is, is kind of disingenuous. Well, they're up this year. They're I up mean,
1: the last two years, and they'll continue to be up as long as the, this tactic of bringing caravans to the border to claim asylum. political refugee status when they're not political refugees. But that's, we, have, economic a system, but we ref- have
0: a system to determine that.
1: Uh, well, except, you know, you can say that, but that's a little disingenuous. When what you're doing is stamping their hands and turning them loose in the country and 80 to 90 percent never show up for, again for their hearings, that's not an effective system. And you can't hide behind that and say, well, we've got a process in place, when we don't. Uh, I think the idea of having so many people come into this country through illegal paths uh, is harmful to the overall effort to bring in immigrants through the legal process, people who can come and have come for generations and have been productive citizens here and have helped our our country and helped our economy. We still need that. And I think if you don't if you don't get a handle on what's going on at the border, then you can't you hurt the overall cause of productive immigration.
0: I still think the debate is harmed when you start referring to this as some sort of an invasion or mm-hmm. give this impression that there's this teeming horde of people that are coming to storm the borders. I don't well, think that s- helps the debate. I, it's like I, we're not negotiating be, from a place of good describe, faith. That
1: describe, I think, what the caravans have been. I mean, you can't just have people show up at the border and pushing, pushing their way across and disappearing. That's, I mean, it's not an orderly process. Whether you call it a crisis or don't call it a crisis, it's not a good situation, and it's something we need to get a handle on. And, you know, we now have, what, 30 million undocumented immigrants in this country? I can't think of another place that would tolerate that sort of unchecked uh, uh, immigration into into their borders.
0: Well, let's move on to something else. And mm-hmm. there was one moment there was noticeable silence and some gasping in the crowd. Mm-hmm. And the president sort of caught himself when he's in the middle of this, in my opinion. So he basically mm-hmm. said, if I had not been elected president of the United States, we would right now— and he said, in my opinion, be in a major war with North Korea.
1: No. I mean, that was, again, that's Donald Trump. And uh, but, but that's, more likely, I had a guy from here. Again, it's fear-mongering again, though. Well, or it's it's a ag- self-aggrandizement. I mean, I don't know that it's, it's fear-mongering as much as it is, is, you know, little Jack Horner, you know, uh, which is what he's been given to had a guy from Heritage on this morning who said the more likely scenario, certainly there wouldn't have been a war, the more likely scenario is we'd be shipping uh, billions of dollars in grain and other aid to North Korea to make them behave again, which is also not a productive uh, situation while they continue to develop their nuclear weapons. Bush did that, Obama did that, Clinton did that. It didn't work. Well,
0: China does that. It, you it know, I mean, China, does this. China buys off North Korea all the time. Knock you, it off, here's it, some aid.
1: And it hasn't worked. They've continued to develop their, but their still, nuclear weapons and escalated that under um, on, under the previous administration. You can't have North Korea continuing on the path it was on. Uh, this is a better path. I don't believe we would have been in war. I don't think the president really believes we would have been a war. But certainly this is a better path than we were taking. And if you remember... When he first came to office, people accused him of saber rattling. He's going to Denang again uh, uh, the next month, March, mm-hmm. to sit down and, you know, obviously diplomacy and talking at that level is far better than saber rattling. Uh, I would give him credit for that. Now, whether it whether it leads to anything or not, I think uh, is is still a long shot. The North Koreans. Don't sure. a, you know, are the North Koreans still, but it's a better position than simply trying to, turning your head from the problem and throwing billions of dollars at them while they continue to pursue their nuclear ambitions.
0: Okay, but there was some saber-rattling for sure over Iran, uh, mm-hmm. and we've started to see that sort of bubble up a little bit more in recent weeks, uh, mm-hmm. you know, as they're starting to make a little bit more noise. John Bolton, of course, has been all about Iran uh, for sure. as long as I can well, remember. Well, bad after, so. I mean, well, exactly. But at the same time, he's like, what do you call them? A crazy, crazy regime. Crazy radical, I think is what he said.
1: I think that would be fairly ad- accurate. Uh, uh, but at the same time... I mean, ask the Iranian people. If, but if you if you look at what the
0: intelligence assessment was last week, mm-hmm. that he then said, I know better than they do. They should go back mm-hmm. to school. I know better than they do about mm-hmm. what's really going on in Iran. Does the rhetoric level match the actual threat from Iran right now? Well, and is he, again, overstating it? This, it is, this has been a problem it for It depends
1: him. how much you believe the rhetoric from Iran. And you know, you have a lot of people say, oh, they just talk like that. They don't really mean uh, what they say in Iran. I think it's dangerous to underestimate the insanity of that regime. Uh, I think they, they present a very real thre- threat to the state of Israel. Uh, certainly they are funding a lot of instability In that region, and uh, yeah, I think you have to take Iran very, very seriously, and can't trust Iran to honor any sort of of uh, denuclearization deal. I don't think that's been. I think we've seen enough from that regime to know you can't trust them, and so can you enter effective treaties with nations you just absolutely can't trust. I mean, the other thing. You but that's the same thing with North night. Korea.
0: I mean, look, we can't trust North Korea, you know, but we're still talking to them. Why wouldn't yeah, we try we, the same approach with Iran?
1: We're still talking with them, but we haven't lifted any any sanctions on them. And that was the difference with Iran. We gave them the sanction relief before we saw uh, any proof that they were going to carry out their end of the bargain. The sanctions on North Korea have not been eased one bit, uh, and I think that's been a smart approach. And it's why these talks. Are still ongoing, and why there's at least some hope that you might get a deal from Iran. You had a lot of people sort of gasp too, you know, when he pulled out of the uh, the, uh, the INF treaty with Russia. Well, Russia's been violating that treaty now for a very long time, and it's getting worse. And so you've got this president who people accuse of being a Russian prof- puppet, calling him to task on that. You can't be the only only side that's honoring a treaty. It's not a treaty if the other side's violating it. And so I think there's some appropriate uh, uh, points at which you do disengage. Sure. You know, And I think that's one of them. I think uh, Iran is sure. one of them. I think you've got to uh, be strong in certain parts of the world.
0: I should remind folks, my guest is Nolan Finley, of course, editorial page editor at the Detroit News, host of The Morning Show on 910 AM Superstation. Uh, Nolan, I just want to sort of wrap up asking you this Mm -hmm. question. Um, obviously you've got your state, that's all right, State of the Union address is is not a place where you're going to get a ton of substance, Uh, um, but you do like to see some sort of, you know, every president typically would like to say, here's something we want to do differently. Here's a new program we'd like to Mm -hmm. try, whether it's, you know, talking about the space program in the Kennedy administration or enterprise zones in the Clinton administration, some sort of signature piece of legislation that they would like to get done. Is the wall and and immigration reform that thing for him, or is there something else that he should have done yesterday in that speech in terms of a new policy initiative that might actually benefit people?
1: Well, I think $500 million is a start for uh, addressing childhood cancer. Anybody who's had a sick child would probably think that would would qualify for that. Uh, Breaking with conservatives on um, family leave could be that if he can— make inroads, inroads on controlling prescription drug prices without destroying the innovation in that industry. I think people would consider that a signature piece. I think he understands where he is in his presidency. He's not going to get big sweeping things done. So if he can find those areas where it's impossible for the other side to continue to resist, uh, things like the childhood cancer research, for example, uh, infrastructure. I think that's a very smart approach. You take the victories you can get uh, uh, now, and hopefully, they do some good for the American people.
0: Well, we'll have to leave it right there, Nolan. Appreciate your time, sir. Thanks, Thanks, thank you very, very much. It. The Craig Foley Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Mad Dog Professional Services. Mad Dog Professional Services focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology, faster than thought possible, to capture new revenue streams. That's Mad Dog Professional Services. Welcome back to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Glad to have you with me on this Wednesday. And uh, last night during the State of the Union address, I had a live chat going on Facebook. Well, not really a live chat. I just started a thread and a whole bunch of you jumped in there to give me your thoughts on what was happening in the speech. And I certainly do appreciate all the interaction that we had. It made it a lot more entertaining to watch when you have it uh, with some buddies, right? It was fun. And uh, some great comments came in along the way as well. Some people agreeing with President Trump and suggesting that his approach was good, but far more of you not believing it or, frankly, uh, not wanting to believe what the president had to say. Uh, given his penchant for rhetoric and the types of things that he said in the past, I'm not shocked by this. Uh, given the fact that he has told many untruths during his time as president, I can understand the skepticism that came in. But just some comments that came in that I wanted to share with you. We've got a couple of good ones. Scott chimed in and said, we're watching with the volume muted, and my 11-year-old daughter is making up her own dialogue. It's far more interesting this way. So we had a lot of responses like that one. Uh, We have Patrick O'Connor, who says, all POTUSs use job numbers because they're hard to track. Although the fact-checking did come in, he did overstate some of those numbers a little bit. It is hard to deny that the job numbers, at least from an unemployment standpoint, are pretty good. But he did overstate the number of jobs created, and especially the number of manufacturing jobs created in that speech last night. Todd chimed in and said simply, fact check, the southern border isn't dangerous for Americans. We have Jacquees, who says, we don't need more troops on the southern border. Todd says, send troops to the border and have them process asylum applications. That could be one solution for whatever logjam may be created by uh, the so-called hordes of people that are coming up here. Uh, we also have Andrew Lark, who says, Trump's been living in guarded and gated environments for his whole life, so what's he going on about? He did talk about how certain people have gates around their homes and we won't put a gate around the border. So there was a lot of discussion about the border, of course, in yesterday's speech. Todd says, simply, most drugs enter our country smuggled through legal points of entry. A wall wouldn't help that. We have two competing ones here. Stephanie simply says, he's telling lies. Whereas Jeff says, he's speaking the truth. Andrew says, pure manipulation using people's misfortunes in what is a very rare occurrence. I can't watch anymore. My blood is boiling. Patrick said, on the length of the speech, the length of the argument is draining its potency. And of course, he was talking about the section on immigration. Celeste says simply, how about we work on infrastructure before the wall? Chris simply says, thank God he's reading the teleprompter. And I think that's something that, uh, you know, a lot of people would agree on. Because when I made that statement earlier in the program that I thought this was this best speech he's given... Well, look, I'm comparing this to all of those rallies that he does around the country, which are basically glorified campaign rallies where he has no script. He rants about everything. He makes things up. This time, at least, he tried to stick to a script that somebody gave him, read off the teleprompter. I was expecting him to go rogue in a couple of spots yesterday. He didn't necessarily do that. I didn't necessarily like what he had to say. I have lots of problems with the policy positions he laid out, especially when it comes to immigration. I fundamentally disagree with him on that point. But at least he tried to be a president last night. Does not necessarily mean he succeeded. And in my book, that bar for the best speech he's ever given is a fairly low one. Doesn't mean I enjoyed it. Just means it's the best speech I've seen him give. Take that for what you want. Doesn't mean I liked it. Doesn't mean I agreed with it. Just means he did a better job delivering it than I've seen him do in the past. And we'll have to leave it at that today. This has been the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. We'll be back tomorrow. Lots of cool stuff coming up. Don't worry. Friday, we will have the Friday Follies, and I'm sure the State of the Union uh, will likely come up on the Friday Follies. And also, one other thing. If you are out and about tomorrow night, I am going to be at Go Comedy in Ferndale. They've got a weekly segment that takes a look at the news, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. I'm hoping they're not expecting me to be funny, because that's never easy for me to do. But at the same time, I've always enjoyed my time out there so if you happen to be near Ferndale tomorrow night 7 30 at Go Comedy I'm going to be the special guest there and really looking forward to it hopefully a bunch of you can make it out maybe I'll see you then in the meantime have a great day today and stay dry